Many times when I step up here, I ask our congregation, everybody, to concentrate a little bit on what is behind me. Now, at 10 o'clock when I stepped up here in the first service, and I turned around and I looked out this beautiful window, I saw a bright picture. And now I see clouds. But my statement to all of us is, is that sometimes in life we see a bright picture and sometimes in life we see clouds, right? That's part of life. And as we worship today and as we know the truth of Almighty God, I am pleased to declare that he is a God of the brightness or of the clouds. He is, in fact a peace giver in the midst of the storms. And we know that there's a storm out in the Atlantic right now. I sat by a lady at the early service who had been in Bogota. What had happened in Bogota in South America? Horrible earthquake. We need to pray for those people. This lady is a part of our church fellowship. She was in the midst of that earthquake. I was very glad that I was sitting beside her today. But we think about the difficult times in life, but yet we have a loving Heavenly Father. And so we're thankful for that. And today, as we worship, I'm very thankful to be able to take a passage of Scripture that you're familiar with, but to say a few words about it that maybe you haven't thought about, Maybe we'll challenge you, inspire you, comfort you, interest you, because this passage of Scripture from the 8th Psalm, in fact, these wonderful musicians and singers just sang about that a little bit earlier in our service. But the writer of this psalm is David. We need to remember that because that's very important to the understanding of what I will be saying to you. And David is the psalmist, he has experienced life, and now he comes here in Psalms 8 and he starts by saying, O Lord, our Lord. I'm going to stop right there because I want you and I and all of us to think about our Lord. And actually it makes me think about what we call the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus taught us to pray when he said, Our Father. Our Lord, David is saying that. Jesus told us that when we are come to pray, we're to say, Our Father, holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. Well, that's part of what David is saying right here because he goes on to say, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, part of what I would say to you and to myself right here as we start is when we approach our Heavenly Father, And I trust, I do pray that you do speak to him and listen to him. But when we approach him in prayer, it is my conviction deeply that we need to approach beginning with statements of worship. Many times, how do we approach our Heavenly Father? We approach him with what we need or what we want or what we're struggling with. And he will answer that. He does tell us to seek and to ask. However, 
I believe that we're presumptuous when we don't approach Him with a statement of worship, with a statement of thanksgiving. And that's exactly what David is doing here. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic. What a great word. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Not just right here, but in all the earth. And that is our Heavenly Father. And the Psalms goes on and he says, You have set your glory above the heavens. Now that's just a statement continuing to worship. David is saying that your glory, your presence, your being is above everything. Above the heavens. And then he's going to contrast that to something very interesting. And I find this very inspiring, uh, challenging, because he contrasts that to the next statement, because he says, as I just said, you've said your glory above the heavens, but then he goes on to say, from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise, strength. Some translations say you've developed, established a stronghold because of your enemies in order to silence the foe and the avenger. Now, what in the world does all of that mean? Here, the, the author of this psalm, this David who was a boy, a young person, and we know some of the stories, and I'm going to remind you of a powerful story in just a moment, but he's saying that from the young, from the, the weak, from the children, come praises, come strength, comes the truth of Almighty God, and that in and of itself is power through the majestic name of our Heavenly Father. Now, when he talks about the children, he's talking about you and me, the weak, the, the ones that need a Heavenly Father. I would propose to you that everybody in here is a child when it comes to understanding the power and the glory of Almighty God. I'm an 81-year-old child, and I'm thankful that I am a child. And I have become more of a child as I've grown older because I understand the need and the contrast between the power of Almighty God and the weakness that I go through and the need that I have for my Heavenly Father. And so here is David, this man writing this psalm, who was a boy. Now I want to remind you of this story. You know the story. But David was a boy in a family of brothers. And his brothers had gone off to war. And his brothers were part of the Israelites, of course. And they were up against the Philistines. And the Israelites were on one hillside, and the Philistines were on the other hillside. And there was a valley, a battlefield, if you would, in between these two hills. And they had been there for days. The Bible tells us that they had been at a standoff for 40 days. Now remember, David is saying in this psalm that in the power of Almighty God, majestic that he is, that there is strength, that there is a stronghold in order to squelch or to silence the enemies. Well, now, what happened to David? He's back at home 
fixing the meal, cooking food. And then he takes the food to the battle line so that he could share it with his brothers. That was all that he was going to do. That was what his father told him to do. That's what his brothers expected him to do. And he went to the battle line there in that valley between the two hills, Israelites on this side, Philistines on that side. And he found out something that was horrifying to the Israelites. For these 40 days, there had been a man coming out of the Philistine ranks nine feet tall. Now I'm looking around and I don't see anybody in here that's nine feet tall. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody. No, I've not ever seen anybody that tall. Goliath was his name, and you know about that. And this Goliath, nine feet tall, and we're even told that he had on, Goliath had on a suit of armor that weighed 125 pounds. I can't even pick up 125 pounds. But he had this on his body. And Goliath would come out from the Philistine side and taunt the Israelites, asking them, someone from the Israelites, to come out and meet him on the field of battle. What were the Israelites doing? They were cowering in fear. They were terrified. Now this boy by the name of David arrived on this scene and was only there to deliver this meal to his brothers. But when he found out about this giant that was terrifying his people, David volunteered. Nobody asked him. Nobody forced him to. But because he was a man and even a boy at that time, but a man of God, and they, they mocked him. They said, you can't take care of Goliath. You can't kill him. And David said, well, I've killed a bear and I've killed a lion. In the power of God, I will just treat Goliath like the bear and the lion. And so David, in his power and the belief that God was with him, went to a river and got five smooth stones, we're told, placed them in his shepherd's pouch, had a sling to deliver those with, and the next thing we're told is, is that David ran, and this is a very important message for you and me, he ran toward the enemy. For 40 days, all the Israelites had been running away from Goliath. And now David's running toward him. We're supposed to run toward the enemy. We're supposed to claim in the power of God the defeat of the enemy. And we're supposed to be people of courage, of boldness, as David was. The story, he takes the sling, one shot, one rock, one stone, hit Goliath right between the eyes, and Goliath fell to the ground, nine feet. Fell to the ground, and the Bible tells us that Goliath was dead. And then David took his sword and cut his head off. A lot of people say, well, yeah, he killed him, he killed him. Off. No, that one stone. And David had declared as he ran toward Goliath that 
I am coming here. You're fighting me, Goliath, with swords and with armor and with weapons. I'm coming here to fight you in the name of and in the power of the majestic Heavenly Father that I serve, Almighty God. Amen? Yes, and there was victory because of this weak, small boy that believed in the power of Almighty God. You and me take a lesson from that. The psalm goes on and he says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, David again, he's a shepherd boy. It occurs to me that many, many, many nights that David had sat on the hillside and looked up into the sky. Now obviously they didn't have all that we have now, spaceships and telescopes, David just had his naked eye, but he was in awe. He was absolutely overwhelmed with the beauty of the night sky. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is man? What are we? What is humankind? What is mankind? That you would pay attention to us that you would be mindful of the Son of Man, that you care for us. You've made us a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned Him with glory and honor. All right, think about that for a second. My question to you is, have you been crowned with glory and honor? Yes, because first and foremost, I'm looking at a whole group of men and women created in the image of God. Go back to the first chapter of Genesis. And we are told that Almighty God created, created us, male and female, in the image of Almighty God. Now that is glory and honor that has already been placed on you. But I want to tell you something, and this thrills me to death to say it and to know it is truth. If you're sitting here today, I'm standing here, but all of us that are believers in Jesus Christ, we have received two doses of glory and honor because you and I were created as human beings and then through Jesus Christ, we have been recreated because of Jesus in our life. We've been born twice and that is glory and honor that has been given to us. So you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him a ruler over the works of your hands a king or a queen, you are a ruler or you're to be a ruler. You're supposed to be a ruler and put everything under your feet. That's what the psalmist says, that God put everything under your feet. Now, I can't go into this today. Some of you will be with me next Sunday, and this is a little bit of a commercial right now. Because next Sunday, I'm going to talk about the fact that even though God's plan was for everything to be under our feet, for us to be rulers, that we have given that up. We have abdicated that through the presence of sin in our life. But that's not the end of the story. And you will certainly agree with me that the world and you and I as human beings have been contaminated because of sin. We have gone against God's plan. But the rest of the story is, is that all of these years, hundreds of years, 
that God has been in the process of redeeming and providing for us to be redeemed and for the world to be redeemed. And the fact is, is that we have a redeemer, somebody that's going to restore this original plan. Who is that redeemer? Jesus Christ. And that's part of today. So, it is going to be redeemed. This world is going to be redeemed. You and I are going to be redeemed as believers in Jesus Christ. He is coming back. He is coming back to finalize, to finish this whole process. And then we will be able to look back at this psalm and understand that God has touched us all during these years, that he has come to us, that he's ministered to us, that he's taught us, that he's drawn us to himself, and that he has and is and will always redeem us in this world in which we live. And like the psalmist finishes here with what he started off with, he says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And that is why we're here to worship. Amen and amen. Our concluding choral selection this morning is a setting of an old spiritual. Spiritual, the text of which came out of a difficult time of slavery from a people who were oppressed and whose only relief often was going to God. And the prayer of this spiritual is that in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trouble, I want Jesus to walk with me in all circumstances of life. Our soloist is Sue Martin. Sue is married to Joseph Martin, our accompanist and uh, composer, entrepreneur extraordinaire. And we will look forward to hearing her and the choir. And I want Jesus to walk with me. <laughs> 